Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Home Energy Design 101. How to design a beautiful home and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and life. Who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty, and my team and I do the best damn design in the country. But I'll help you create a beautiful design that is also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone, this is Amanda and today's show is going to be like none other. Now, my PR firm that I work with out of New York, they are the ones that are helping me get all these amazing shows together for your listening enjoyment. And they said to me the other day, would you like to have some more interior designers on since that's, you know, what you do? And I said, you know, I really don't because a lot of them are not really embracing this lifestyle of health and wellness and energy. And, you know, I think if I could get anybody on, If I could really talk to any interior designer, there would be just one that I'd want on the show, and that would be Toby Fairley. Now, why would I want Toby on? Because Toby is all about health and wellness. She realizes the importance behind self-care. She has an understanding that if you miss love, you miss life. But it hasn't always been this way. When I met her 10 years ago, she was the hustling queen. She was striving like nobody's business and she could do goal setting like nobody's business and has achieved many, many things. The problem is it started to take a toll and she has shifted her business in big ways to incorporate this idea of why self-care matters. And I am so excited to share this podcast with you today because I'm hoping that you will walk away and have an understanding of why you need to take care of yourself. A quote that she placed on her own blog that I think resonates with all of us. By a trying to avoid lazy, I created a life as a workaholic. I was a person addicted to achieving because achieving equaled my worth. Now in a culture of busy and not being seen as productive, if not busy, I think that this just might be one of the most important podcasts that you need to hear. Are you ready? Let's do this. I am so excited that I have Toby Fairley on the show today. Good morning. Good afternoon. Hello. 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 So I'm really excited to have you on. Um, I actually, we talked a little bit about this yesterday as we were exchanging emails, but one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on, um, I actually haven't had a lot of interior designers on here because I feel like um, most of them do not take care of themselves. Um, You know, this this industry, you know, it, from the outside looking in, it looks very luxurious and glamorous and it's so amazing. And, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is that it can very easily become a seven day a week, you know, life sucking uh, job because 
Um, you know, we are all people pleasers. We want amazing, you know, beautiful spaces for our clients. And so, you know, we give and give and give and give until we have nothing to give anymore. And so there's not a lot of self-care practices. Um, so that's why I really wanted to have you on the show is I feel like um, as an interior designer, you are the epitome of self-care, uh, which I talk a lot about on this show. And so before we dive into all this amazingness the, of some of the things that you do for self-care practices, just let the audience know who you are, what you do, um, you know, how you came around to this, because, you know, you do have a background in business uh, and just give them a little bit of information about who you are. Okay. Um, well, definitely, as you said, interior designer. So that I kind of think of myself really as an, an entrepreneur whose vehicle is interior design, because really I'm at at heart, much more of an entrepreneur, even than just a creative. Um, I mean, I'm definitely creative, but I think if you're like measuring the scale of like the most creative person in the world or a really dang good entrepreneur who can sell her creativity, I'm more on that side. Um, you know, and so I, I, um, I have a, as you said, I have an MBA and an accounting degree and an interior design degree. So I love education. I love learning and knowledge. She's an overachiever is what she is. And I was definitely a workaholic for years. Um, and now I call myself a recovering workaholic, which is the most wonderful place I've ever been in in all of my 45 years of living. Um, because, and that's where a lot of the self-care came in that we'll get into today, just honestly by necessity, you know, survival, um, just exhaustion, a whole lot of other things that come with that whole overachieving, proving workaholism kind of um, life that I had created for many years. So, um, I mean, I definitely am still achieving amazing things in my career as a designer and as a business consultant, but it's just really different than it was before in a good way. Yeah. And one of the things that you actually talk about um, from your blog, one of the quotes that you have on there is by trying to avoid lazy, I created a life as a workaholic, a person who was addicted to achieving because achieving equaled my worth. Yeah. I think that is such a powerful sentence. And I know that no matter what field you're in, I think a lot of women can resonate with that because we all feel like we have something to prove. Yes. Um, you know, we, one of the things that I loved about Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, is that a man can be 25% qualified and show up with 100% confidence, and a woman can be 150% <laughs> qualified and show up with 20% confidence. Exactly. Yes. So, for sure. you know, I, I think what, I think what I, the biggest question that I have for you when I read that, I was like, oh my God, that is such a powerful statement that I think that, you know, so many of us can resonate to because, you know, busy has really become this measure of importance. Yes. You know, it has really become this, this way of worth. Um, but what, you know, I know well, you and I have known each other a long time. And so, you know, seeing how you were even, you know, five to 10 years ago, what are some of your non-negotiables now? How have you gotten to this place that you're okay to say, no, I'm going to put myself first? Well, you know, it takes it. I mean, unfortunately, it takes some really 
you know, dramatic incident a lot of times for us to change, whether that's people having a heart attack or something, you know, a crisis of some sort. And what really, um, I, well, couple there were a couple of phases to getting here for me. First of all, um, I started having more awareness on a regular basis, probably a, around five or six years ago. Uh, I was getting turn 40 I was you know you start going okay what it's kind of I'm not quite hopefully at midlife but I'm getting there you know what do I what do, what have I done well what do I want to do differently so that kind of started this awareness of um sort of how I was living and a lot of times it wasn't so intentional or at least it wasn't really what I wanted because proving um causes you to say yes to things that aren't really necessarily what you truly want but you feel like they'll get you something that you need or that will make you money or whatever. And so I started having this awareness happen then and I got really healthy. Um, I lost some weight, a significant amount of weight. I was doing yoga all the time. I was like seeing all these benefits and I was like, I will never, ever, ever go back the other way. Well, interestingly enough, then I signed on to four product licensing agreements with national companies all launching within like hmm, 12 to 15 months of one another. And I went right back into prove myself mode. And I think it was easy to fall into that trap because it was an area I hadn't proved my, proven myself in. You know, it's using a sofa in a design and, and designing one or two different things. So this sort of insecure part of me came back up and was like, oh, you have to be the best sofa designer and the best chair designer and the best fabric designer. And I went right back into a lot of my old habits, which undermined a lot of the things I was doing right. So then I had that kind of evidence of, whoa, when I when I do these things, I feel great. When I go back to my old habits, I feel just like I did before. So that was, um, it started moving me in this direction of, um, this is not a, a cycle that I want to keep repeating. It's taking a toll on me. It has to be taking a toll on my family. And then about two years ago, I just kind of out of the blue, um, a lot of stuff started coming up in my marriage that I thought was going fine. And I just realized, wow, this is, you know, I mean, we weren't like about to get a divorce, but just we were kind of perfecting um, being roommates. And I could just see that my husband wasn't happy with me being gone all the time and me being stressed all the time. And it was taking a toll and it really got my attention. And so I thought you can keep on the treadmill and the hustling um, or you can, and well, in that process, you can lose the things that really matter to you, or you can finally sort of woman up and say, enough is enough. I'm going to go after the things that I really want in my life, no matter what other people think about me, and no matter if they value me, and no matter if I'm proving myself, um, because this is what is really life-giving to me, is these people, these relationships, being at home. Um, and so I started making some really drastic changes about that time. Um, and it's, it's just been completely, completely life-changing in every way. Mm. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it reminds me, and I think you have put this, you may have put this quote up on your Instagram, but if you miss love, you miss life. And it's yeah. so true. Like, you know what, and let's back up a little bit. I mean, pat yourself on the back because... I think a lot of us entrepreneurs, especially, you know, we do have this 
um, addiction, not only to achieving, but proving ourselves and showing that we can make it in a man's world. And who mm-hmm. the hell said it was a man's world? Mm-hmm. But we have this, you know, we get like this tunnel vision of what we think it really is, which is not that ideal, you know, work-life balance. But we, we get this tunnel vision of what we think it is. And then lo and behold, everything around us starts imploding and falling apart. Right. So pat yourself on the back for having the higher consciousness to be able to step outside of that and go, holy shit, if I keep this up, like not literally nothing is going to matter because the things that you're striving for aren't fulfilling you and the things that do you're about to lose. Well, and that's the interesting part, because it's not like I was doing all of that just for self-serving reasons. Of course, it's wonderful to get accolades. It's wonderful to get published. It makes you feel good about yourself when you accomplish something. But, you know, in really in my gut, what I was trying to do is create this for my family, make money for us, create opportunities for us. But but what you when you get into that striving mode and that proving mode, you lose sight completely of like you're saying the, the even the the people that I was doing it for. And it's kind of it's so counterintuitive because it's kind of like I'm doing this for you, damn it. So leave me the hell alone and don't talk to me, you know, which makes no sense. I'm sorry I'm so stressed out and a horrible bitch to be around, but I'm doing this for you. Again, no makes no sense. And I started waking up to that and going, I, this doesn't feel good. I don't want this. It's, this is just, it's not... It's just like you said a minute ago, it's not at all what you think it's going to be when you start down some of those paths. Yeah, it reminds me, I, I wanted to, to share this with you and, and the audience, and I'll, I'm going to ask you a question after this. But oddly enough, my project manager, Deborah, came in to work the other day, and she they just moved into a new house, and, and she went to get the mail the other day, and there was a Weight Watchers catalog in there, and she started to toss it, and for whatever reason, she opened it up, and I'm so glad she did. There's a quote in here from uh, author Lane S. Thomas, and it says, Every day, the world will drag you by the hand, yelling, This is important. Ooh, ooh, and this is important. And this, and this, and this. And you need to worry about this. And don't forget about this. (laughs) And each day, it's up to you to yank your hand back, put it on your heart, and say, No, this is what's important to me. And her advice based on this is put your devices away. Stop saying yes to things that no longer matter. Because listen, no memorial will ever read, man, Jane was amazing. She completed all of her emails every night before she died. (laughs) Exactly. That can relate to that. Like I wrote it myself. That is genius. So based on that, my question to you is it reminded me of a a great question quote by uh greg mccowan i think is how you pronounce it from essentialism you know Mm -hmm. how do you you know knowing you for as many years as i have you know had i asked you this question you know 10 years ago versus asking you this question now how have you distinguished the vital few from the trivial many i mean how have you you know you've really transformed and kind of had a rebirth in the last five years or so. So how do you yank your hand back and say, no, this is what's important to me? Well, I think what was, um, what was so, um, I guess 
pivotal in my changes because you would have definitely heard very different things. You know, 10 years ago, I was a, that young woman hell bent on proving myself. Oh, and, you had the hustle, honey. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I've hustled as much as anybody's ever hustled. And, and I, it's interesting too. Let's come back to this thought of it's to me, I think it's confusing for people because the opposite of hustling is not being lazy. So I, I want to talk about that too, if we have time, because Absolutely. My, my first inclination is that it was, it was kind of like, Oh, just stop doing everything. Cause you're exhausted. Um, but I was definitely hustling. I was motivated all the, you know, the interesting thing is here's exactly what happened. I, I'm very goal driven. I'm very much a hustler and pretty much every single thing I put my mind to, I achieved. And so when you are sitting on the other side, and that's not being arrogant at all. I mean, of course there were some things I didn't, but the main things like I wanted to, you know, be nationally published. I wanted to have a big brand. I wanted to have a product line. I wanted to, you know, specifically what kind of product lines, a furniture line, a fabric line. I wanted to, um, all these things and I can check every one of those boxes. And, but I would, when I was starting to realize that um, sitting on the other side of having achieved those, I would have thought that it would have changed things and it didn't really change anything. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, like I could say, well, I did that stuff, which was wonderful. So I guess it gave me some confidence probably. But at the end of the day, it didn't change any of the big things that I always thought it would fix because all of those things were still there. We're still a struggle. We're still yeah, an insecurity. Yeah. We're still, a, um, you know, a problem or a, a daily experience. And so you, you think these doing these things, getting these things, whether it's having money, whether it's having fame, whether it's having a yeah, connection are going to fix stuff. And what I realized is the only thing that fixes those things is if you do the work to fix those things in your own life, in your mindset, in your thinking, in your habits, um, in your self-care. It, it doesn't, and it's so true, no, no amount of money, you know, makes you happier, thinner, any of that stuff. And so really all it made me was tired. <laughs> like, damn, I mean, it was fun. It was really fun. And I don't, I don't by any means, I'm, you know, want to downplay how how much fun it was to achieve those things. It was wonderful, and I'm very grateful, but I didn't change as a person in the way I expected myself to. So when you're sitting there going, okay, wait a minute. If I just keep doing more and more and more, I don't... The, the thing is, and I know you know what I mean, you think that there will be a point that you arrive, and you think that you'll arrive at this point, and you'll no longer have to hustle, and you'll just be making all this money, and things will get easier, and none of that actually happens. So that was where um, I started to say, okay, if every time I achieve something else, it's not making me have deeper friendships and deeper relationships. I still know, like on Project Runway, one day you're in, one day you're out. Um, it's not like it guaranteed me that every time I put out a project, the magazine is like, oh, God, yes, please, can we publish this? Like, thank you for doing so, us such a huge favor. It, you're at the same starting point every single time. I mean, maybe not quite, but pretty much. It, it, there are no guarantees with it. So I started realizing, okay, if that's the case and it's not making me arrive anywhere to do all of this stuff, where the hell am I going? Like, what am I running to? Um, and so, because it's, it's tiring to keep running. And those were the thoughts that helped me go, okay, calm everything down, like back it all up. And just what do you want? 
if this isn't going to get you any more money or any more ease, would you be choosing this stuff? And a lot of the answer to a lot of those things was absolutely not. You know, and it kind of goes back to asking yourself those questions like, if I had a billion dollars, would I still be doing this? Or if today was my last day on earth, would I still be doing this? Both of those are great questions to ask yourself to get to what you really want. Because a lot of times you're like, no, I wouldn't have 15 revenue streams. And would I still be working? Yes, because I love it. But would I be hustling? And would I be proving? And would I be hopping on a plane every minute and potentially missing the most important things in my life? Of course not. Mm, I love those questions. And I think that's such a great exercise for the audience. If you're listening to this, take those two questions. Because I think at the end of the day, the most important thing is to ask yourself, why? Yes. Why does it matter? Why does this matter? Is this benefiting you or benefiting them? Mm -hmm. And I think that when you can get clear about that, and there's got to be something pivotal about 40. I've lived this way, you know, I, I really started going in this way at about 2012, but there's something around 40 that you just kind of throw your hands up in the air and say, ah, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I mm -hmm. want to nap. I want to sleep more. I want to spend more yes. time with my family. Um, but one thing that I hear that comes up again and again, uh, especially as I mentor other women, is that, you know, I think that the thing that breaks my heart is that this industry, this business, it, it can be very, very hard on people. And like you said, you're either in or you're out. And so we're constantly striving to keep ourselves in, mm -hmm. which leads us to burnout. And so what are some things that you have helped that are helping you find fulfillment, but you're not finding yourself in a sea of guilt and shame and I should be doing and I could be doing and like how do you because I even still struggle with this sometimes like all you know I'm addicted to work I love my I love what I do I love my job I love my work and um, you know our office has been out of my home for several years now and so I can find myself working all hours of the day and so when I stop and go and do something I will have that ping it's not as bad as it used to be but I will have a ping of this feels a little, this feels a little bad. I feel guilty. <laughs> I should be doing something productive. And then I have to stop and kind of step back and go, no, this is helping my productivity. So right. how, how do you get yourself, you know, and I, I'm sure that you have dealt with this because you do, you have moved much, much faster. Your, your pace of life was much faster than mine. Um, but how have you gotten yourself out of that and kind of stepped out of it and said, no, this, this is, you know, again, I'm taking my hand back and I'm, and this is what's important to me. Um, well, one thing I did, um, was I actually this year, um, <laughs> being the learner and the, um, I mean, I guess I'm almost as addicted to education and knowledge as I am to working, um, which in and of itself isn't always a good thing unless you put it into action, but I'm pretty good at using the tools that I find. But, um, but isn't that being an entrepreneur too? Like we are all addicted to education. Like right. it's, <laughs> we're all doing that. Yes. But one of the things I did, um, I did, I got, I did two things in the last, um, uh, 15 months or so. And one of those things is I was certified to be a health and wellness coach through the um, Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And the other thing I did was, which is maybe the most life-changing thing I've ever done, is I went through Brooke Castillo's Life Coach School certification. And they were both um, 
amazingly powerful in the tools that they offered me. And really, really in the life coach piece, the mindset, um, the mindset tools that I have learned have really helped me understand that so many of the things that we're thinking um, are what's driving us to, to these results that we don't um, really want. And I've always known that like one of my favorite gurus ever is Wayne Dyer and he had you know he says don't believe everything you think and I got that and I knew that was um the case but I didn't really have a tool for getting underneath those thoughts and that's the stuff that comes up like when you're idle when you slow down like all those things that comes come up are thoughts mm-hmm. um I should be doing something like like what you're saying and so I learned these amazing tools that I'm now bringing to my own consulting business with designers and people that I, that I help. But it has been so transformative to me to be able to have the awareness to go, you know, you know, yeah, you could be doing something, but is it going to serve you more to do this thing, to take this webinar, to go get another product line with someone, to travel somewhere and do a talk, or is it going to serve you more to rest or be nurtured or have connection with family. And so I really have this litmus test every day now when any moment, really multiple times a day when thoughts come up that I go, wait a minute, that's just a thought. Let's back up a second and and just dig in. Is this going to serve me or is it not? And I'm able to get such great clarity. Um, I'm very self-aware anyway, because I've worked on it for a long time, but we're none of us are as self-aware as we think. It's easier for us to tell other people what to do and then when it comes time to doing it yourself. So it's really just become um, a practice, almost like yoga is a practice, to, to study my mind, my mindset, my thoughts, um, and really make intentional choices, I guess, for lack of a better of any other word, um, that each time I stop for just a second, and go, is this going to serve me? And it has been a game changer in me saying no to things. Um, you know, it's just so easy to say yes all the time to clients that aren't ideal, to opportunities that you have that thought that's like the fear of missing out. Oh, if I'm not there, so-and-so will think this about me, or I might miss an opportunity. Um, and you have to get underneath that all the time and continually practice saying, you know, that's not taking me in the direction of my goals. The other thing that I think has been huge, and it's really showing the evidence of that practice and some other practices that I've put in place in my life, like this slowing down and creating more white space. When I started um, 2018 this year, so two, three weeks ago, um, for the first time in, in maybe my whole career of owning my business, which has been almost 19 years, but at least in the last 15 I opened my calendar to do my goal setting and planning like the last of December. And it wasn't already booked through the entire next year. And it blew my mind sort of in a wonderful way because I've made that happen intentionally. But it just also blew my mind of like, um, you have choice now. You have space to concentrate on what you want. You have time to do what really matters. And so that whole argument of I'm too busy is not an excuse for me right anymore because I've made it not be an excuse. Um, I am not too busy to do anything that I want to do. And so now I have this white space to go. So what do you want to do? And it is, it is the biggest, um, 
source of freedom that I've ever felt. I think all of the proving led to me feeling trapped. And now I just feel free to choose the right path that is going to serve me and the things that are most important to me in the best way. Mm. Kind of deep. like freedom. Yeah. And <laughs> kind of deep but stuff. It, it's, uh, it's like a, it's like taking when you're in yoga, that long, deep sip of air and just holding on to it and just letting mm-hmm. it out. It's like this big sigh that you can finally have like this sense of relief. Right. The other thing I've done um, is I decided I, typically for years in goal setting, I would have 10 or 15 goals a year and some would be little things and some would be bigger things. And through just my personal development, through this life coach training, through other things I've done and studied, um, I decided to take the approach this year of what is the one single one thing I'm going to focus on for this year. And if I do it as well as I possibly can, it makes everything else obsolete. When you think about that, it is mind-blowing. So what one thing can I put all of my effort, and this is like in business, you know, what one thing for me in business can I put all of my efforts into that if it just goes gangbusters to the, you know, because of my efforts, then everything else can just fall away. That is, is crazy powerful thinking also. Well, and it really reminds me of Esther Hicks. She says something along the lines of if you hold on to a thought for 30 seconds, it's already starting to mold itself. And by the time you've hit 60 seconds, it's already manifesting somewhere in the universe. So if you hold a goal and work towards it for an entire year, honey, it's yours. Right. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah. I've for years been, I mean, everybody looking from the outside is thinking, wow, she does so much stuff and she achieves everything. But the real truth is I do a whole bunch of things not as well as I could do them. You know, I do a whole bunch of things, kind of like jack of all trade, master of none. And somebody may say, well, yeah, you're a master of this or that. Well, yeah, but what could I have done if I wasn't doing these seven other things at the same time? And um, so it's just, it's been, it's been a wonderful process of just peeling away the unimportant, peeling away the things that don't get to take priority right now because I'm focusing on one thing um, and being the absolute best. And for me, it also comes back to, you said something about, um, am I serving myself or serving them? And I agree because I've spent a lot of time helping other companies grow their business or their brand um, by designing products or doing other things. And and it's definitely been a time recently for me to turn more inward. But at the same time, not just in a selfish way, but looking more to the kind of the higher value of how can I serve other people better with my gifts and my talents because I'm actually focusing where those are. Um, so definitely a lot of, (laughs) a lot of deep thinking on my part, but it takes that, it takes calming down. It takes finding the white space. When you're on the hamster wheel, you can hardly see past the end of your nose, much less see what really matters and what you really want. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it's only through, we are taught in feng shui that it's only through silence that you can really find the answers. Right. So it, it can be really difficult because 
in my school, we are taught that the only way that we are going to be the best damn practitioner is through meditation and cultivating our own chi, our own energy. And so, you know, if we are frazzled, then we are not serving and giving our best to our uh, clients that, that have hired us. And so everything that we do, we are supposed to come with this heart of empathy and compassion and kindness, but you cannot feel those emotions if you are ragged and tired and need a nap. Like if you're worn out, you cannot serve. You cannot give your best self. Right. And I was seeing myself not giving my best self to the people I was committed to in business. But what was even more disheartening for me was that I wasn't giving my best self to my family. Um, And I didn't like that at all. Like it's not my, you know, my 12 year old's fault that, that I'm stressed out because I overcommitted. That's not, she didn't sign up for that. And so, you know, very much the same kind of thinking. I'm very, mine's, uh, um, not so much religious. I am a Christian, but, but it's, you know, spiritual, um, that my higher self in that regard too. And I just, I don't think that was my higher self to, um, to, to show up in the world for the people I'm committed to at home or anywhere else in that way. Um, so, you know, it's very much the same thing, finding quiet time, finding, um, meditation time or prayer time or whatever it is that you believe that, takes you to your best self you cannot do that on the hamster wheel oh no kidding and and one of the uh, one of the things i was going to ask you is is that you know you have in the last five years or so really transformed your life and and you really do um you are quite intentional about the choices that you make and the decisions that you make. And it's a huge difference that, you know, from what you were 10 years ago. And I was curious that with this new way of approaching, which I should back up a little bit. What I loved is that the reason that I, um, wanted to ask this question is the day that I asked Toby to do this interview, she actually told me no and said, I can't that day I have a Bible study. And oh my God, I, the angels were singing. I was like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for saying yes to yourself and telling me no for something that matters to you and is cultivating yourself. Like that was beautiful. Well, thank you. I committed to this 24 week Bible study um, with an amazing group of women. And actually it's led by my neighbor. So I literally walked two doors down, which is so fun. I was just, it was this morning again. And I just walked down the street and with so funny because in Arkansas, you don't walk anywhere. It's not like New York where you walk somewhere like you get in the car. Um, (laughs) So I walked down the street and I go every Thursday um, with this just phenomenal group of people. Um, And at the time, I mean, that's another, that just shows how much I have changed. Five years ago to commit to two hours every single week, that would have been laughable to me. And now I'm like, absolutely, I have time for that. Um, And when we practice the things that make us our best, it makes us have way more time for everything else later. It just has a way of, like you said, with whether it's self-care or whatever, nurturing yourself, resting um, you know, these things that are really the important things are what sustain us for everything else. So thank you for noticing that. And I forgot that I told you that, but, um, but yeah, it's a celebration to me that I, I'm, I am, that I can say yes to things like that. I stopped saying yes to things that don't matter. And I started saying yes to the things that really do. Um, well, thank and- you for saying yes to me. 
<laughs> I mean, I knew that we would have this kind of conversation, and I think this is such an important topic that it isn't. It's very much a priority to me for other people to hear how life changing some of these um, intentional practices and habits can be. I think well, the world is so frazzled. Everybody's tired. Everybody's angry. Everybody's oh, just yeah. on edge. And it doesn't have to be that way. And if I can stop and just literally, I mean, I, I imagine like in my mind, there was this big stick kind of sticking out the side of the re- the treadmill, you know, with like a ball on the top of it that was red. <laughs> and I just like grabbed it and pulled it down and everything came to a screeching halt and I stepped off. I mean, if I can do that with what I have committed myself to in the past, then any person can do that. Well, and I think that's why I loved it so much is that the Toby that I knew, I met you like in 08 or 09, and the Toby that I knew would not have put herself first. And so I just, I was singing your praises. I told everybody in the office here, I was just like, oh my God, I'm so proud of her. I can't believe that. She told me, no, that's so amazing. She has come so far. And that was kind of what my point was, is like, man, how she approaches her decisions today versus how she did 10 years ago. I mean, honey, you are light years ahead of yourself now. Like, I I was just so proud of you. (laughs) I agree with you in the best of ways. Well, and the funny thing is, is all the fears that you have, um, I ha- you know, I, I got really, for one thing, I just got real tired of hearing myself say, I have to do that. I have to go to that thing. I have to say yes to them. If I don't say yes to um, a traditional home show house, they will never publish me again, which is all lies. Like none of that is true, but we run these thoughts in our head, you know? So um, I just got sick of like, it's like I was standing outside of myself and I hearing myself say, I have to do that. And I was like, no, you don't like you BS, like you do not have to do that. Um, but yeah, totally, totally light years. I would agree with you. Um, and the, but my point of that was the stories we tell ourselves are I'll become irrelevant. I will not be able to afford to exist or my lifestyle. I will lose money. I'll go out of business. All of those are lies because the reality for me has been. I become better at the things I do do and I make more money at the things I do choose and I'm more profitable and happier than I've ever been because I stopped giving into those, the fear and the thoughts, which I I love to call lies because it's a little more dramatic so that it'll get my attention. Like, no, that is a lie. Like that is not true. Um, And it is just, it's crazy that you can, start to become aware that the things you tell yourself, like Wayne Dyer said, don't believe everything you think. It's not true. Change your thoughts, change your life. He also said he has a book called that, I think, or, you know, whatever. That has been my experience 100%. And it's not, uh, you know, what I love about Brooke Castillo that I learned this life coaching from. And it's so funny because you, if you get on and coach with her on like a live call or something, it's like you should know what she's going to say because she says the same thing to everybody because we're all the same. But it's so funny to me that whatever people are afraid of, every time I hear her coach somebody, is pretty much always where they are right now. <laughs> like the worst case scenario for them is where they are right now. And that cracks me up because she's like, okay, now wait a minute. If you try this thing you really want and it doesn't work, 
what's the worst case scenario? Oh, well, I could just go back to being a designer who overcommits to 700 things and at least that'll pay the bills. So what you're telling me is the worst that could happen is what you're doing right this second. <laughs> and you're like, what? Wait, what? What? And it is, it have, it does not matter if it's about their mother-in-law or their job. Every, it is always wherever you are right now, you know, cause people will want to say, well, I'll become homeless. And she's like, well, that's not really true. You won't. You won't become homeless. You can go back and get a, more clients exactly like you have, or your mom will let you move in or whatever. So the worst case scenario is always, in, in other words, you don't have anything to lose, but to try it. But we keep ourselves stuck telling ourselves these things that aren't even true. Um, and I, and it's true for me. Like, okay, so I try this. I try saying no to things. If I become, quote, irrelevant, if I stop making money, then what do I do? Well, I just go back to design and I get more design clients and I just do it again. Um, no biggie. And it's just, it's liberating to be able to realize that. Well, and it's really those, it's the self-limiting beliefs. Like you said, it's the conversation that we have with ourselves again and again and again. And it's, you know, it's, you are what you think. And so you've got to break out of that pattern. You've got to create new thoughts, but you just, you live in that fear, you know, soup and it's like, but no, and, and she's so right. So in other words, it's where you are right now. I love that. That's such a, if you I take mean, anything away from this. Funny? Yeah. It I reminds agree. me of, um, uh, through my coach, I was introduced to a woman by the name of Jenny. She and, um, Jenny, she is a, a coach. And one of the first things that she has is she works exclusively with entrepreneurs and they overschedule themselves and they, they have to, and they have a lot of have tos and they're, you know, they're, they're ragged and worn out and they're stressed and they're, you know, pissed off all the time because they're not sleeping and they're, you know, overscheduled. And one of the first things that she does is she makes you get a calendar and all of the things that you put on your calendar first are the massages, haircuts, getting your nails done, all your kids mm -hmm. like soccer games, volleyball games, um, parties, things like that. And she mm -hmm. said, now look at your calendar and whatever is left over is what your clients and your have tos get. Mm -hmm. I mean, life blowing, you know, like you're like, oh, my God, mind, my mind is blown. But and I I love that because then you have to go, okay, let's deal with reality. I have three hours this week. How can I be the most effective in that three hours that makes me the most money and everything else has to go? And if you're looking at it through that kind of lens, you make serious good decisions. And that's what exactly what I've done. Really, it's, it's no different than that. It's kind of like, how can I, I think this every week, what can I do to make the most amount of money and impact the most change for my clients in the least amount of time so that I can do everything else that really matters to me? Um, she's brilliant. That's exactly right. I mean, really, and it's, if you put it's all a, that stuff on our calendar, you know, we don't have more than probably maybe, I mean, it depends on how busy you are, but many weeks for me, that would have left like eight hours total. Yeah, and I think that that's why it's so mind-blowing is that, well, one, we never look at it from that perspective. We put everybody else's needs and wants ahead of our own. And mm -hmm. so we're left scrapping, well, oh, shit, I, I don't have time for a haircut. And I don't have time to do this for myself. I can't get a massage. That's crazy. I don't right. have time. And it's like, then you flip it and you put yourself first. And it's like, 
well, I don't have any time for you. I don't, <laughs> you know, it's just, well, and, and it's just wonderful. Cause I do, I mean, I think that we, um, Oh, let me think where I heard this. I think it was Hil- uh, Hillary Rushford. She's a blogger and she teaches a, that course on, um, that's where I learned of the book essentialism was she teaches a course or maybe she's at least she used to. And it's called, um, gosh, I'm, I'm confusing it with a book, which is present over perfect, but it's, oh, it's elegant excellence. But basically she's young. She's real young. She's like twenties or thirties. So not everything I relate to exactly. But one of the things I took away from that, that was worth the whole course for me is she calls it the creative candy shop to, if an entrepreneur looks out at all the things we can do. And she's like, it's like the creative candy shop. Do I want to have a blog? Do I want to have a partner? Do I want to have a product line? Do I want to have a TV show? Do I want to have clients and one-on-one and group coaching? And, you know, do I want to do this? And what if I want to write a book? And she's like, it's the creative candy shop. And it's all looks like delicious candies and cakes and just yumminess that's just decadent. And you know you have to have it. And then she's like, but wait a minute. If you're a kid and you eat 17 different pieces of cake and candy and stuff, how are you going to feel? Sick, lethargic, nauseous, you know, and she's like, let's not be a child as entrepreneurs and indulge in the creative candy shop. Let's be adults and realize that if we indulge in 17 different things, how are we going to feel? Lethargic, sick, nauseous. And I was like, that is such a beautiful analogy. Because no, we wouldn't eat 17 pieces of candy and cake cake and crap every day and think we could function. That's what a child does. But we do that every day when we say yes to all of those things all at the same time. Um, and just for, for designers and creatives, that just resonated so highly with me that we say yes to all that stuff. And we wonder why we feel horrible because um, it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and you combine that with the poor health practices of not eating right or not eating at all, not getting enough sleep, not exercising, not really taking care of yourself. And it's like the trifecta. You just, you know, everything starts to fall apart. And then, you know, before you know it, you're taking prescription pills to try to keep up. And, it, you know, the right. older that you get, the worse that it gets. And then you, you do, you get on that hamster wheel of just everything is falling apart. Yeah. And then your husband's like, this is not that fun. And I'm not really connected to you. And your kid's like, I'm stressed out all the time. I can't deal with my school load at age 12. And you're like, okay, wait a minute. What am I what what am I doing here? (laughs) Because this, this is not how I saw this happening. Um, yeah, so it's it trickles down into every part of your life. It, it, It can't not. Um, because if we're putting all of our energies into those other things that don't matter, there's no way that any of your relationships with yourself or other people can thrive. Yeah. You, you bring up a a great point talking about your daughter. I'm curious as a mom, what is your greatest hope to teach her? And what is your greatest hope that, you know, will be her takeaway? I mean, she's obviously seen you in her formative years as this hustling mom and striving, 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 you know, now that you've slowed down and become much more intentional, what are your hopes that she's seeing and picking up from that? Well, my favorite thing that she said lately is, well, first of all, let me preface this with about um, a year ago, September. So 16 months ago, maybe 14, something like that. 
I, I got rid of my gigantic outside office and I moved my design studio and my three employees or well, one of my employees works remotely. So my two local employees into my home and we work out of my house every day, which I absolutely love. And I, I had the chance to design that. So it works for us because we were in the process of renovating our home. Um, but I just, I kept hearing myself every day. I would come home from traveling and I would be sitting in my bed on either a Monday morning or a day after travel. And I would think to myself, I would pay somebody a thousand dollars right now if I could just work from my bed in my pajamas instead of having to go to the office, which is, if that's not telling that I'm not taking care of myself, nothing is. So finally, as we were going through this renovation, I had that thought one day and I was like, wait, you can, like, you're, you're the boss. You can work from wherever the heck you want to work. Um, and so I decided to move my office home. So it has been just amazingly transformative to my daughter too, because even though I have a teenager that's sort of her nanny or her, you know, kind of caretaker to help get her to activities and things so I can still work, at least I'm home here when she gets home almost every day. So she comes home and I get to capture all those important moments that if you, people that are moms will know what I mean, that the kid comes in and like the first 15 minutes of hearing about their day are kind of like the most important times. They're the same as like right before they're falling asleep at, at night. That's when they tell you all the good stuff and that you need to be there for. Um, not like even the juicy stuff, but just the stuff that you're like, oh, no, I need to like <laughs> we need to talk about this. So it's it's moments you shouldn't miss. And I, I didn't think I was missing all those, but I was missing all of those. So long story short. We were in the car because now I can leave at four in the afternoon if I want to and drive her and her six teammates to their volleyball lesson that's 25 minutes away. Or I can, you know, do other things and I'm there and I'm present. And I was listening to her talk to another kid um, and the kid was like, oh, my stepdad, I mean, he's just like all over the place and, and my mom's, you know, having to take care of a bunch of stuff because he's a workaholic. And I heard Ellison say, Oh, a workaholic. My mom used to be one of those. And I was like, that was a moment that I will never forget because she is old enough to now kind of see the before and the after mm -hmm. of what things are like before when she was a workaholic and now. Um, and whether she can fully comprehend it, I know that she will as she grows up to be able, because she was old enough before I changed, you know, 10, 9, 10. Um, now she's going on 13 to be able to see the difference in a frazzled mommy, a stressed out mommy. A never, I mean, she would write me notes when I would travel. I have some of them in my desk. I could pull it open right now and read it to you, but it would just be like, I miss you so much, mommy. Aww. And I can't wait till you get home. And I don't like that you have to go away. And yeah, I mean, you know, not to ha make people feel guilty for being gone, because, yeah, people definitely have to make choices to support themselves to travel. But I didn't have to make some of those choices. And I could have and did ultimately choose a different path. Um, and now she doesn't have to say that. Now she's probably like, Mom, I wish you'd go on a trip. You're driving. <laughs> 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 Why are you here all the time? I'm a teenager. I don't need your advice. Um but I do think that long term, it will it will be the thing that she remembers, hopefully more than anything else, is that hustling and proving. And of course, I'll remind her if she forgets. And all of those things aren't the way to build a rich, full life and to really, really pour into the things that matter the most. Well, I can definitely hear it in your voice. I mean, you are... 
I feel like you used to speak through a clenched jaw. I feel like you're a lot more <laughs> loose. You yeah. definitely have an inflection in your voice that is, is much happier. You sound lighter. Um, we're, we're getting close to an hour here. So I, I want to, I want the, the audience to be left with what does your gratitude practice look like now? Um, let me think about that for a minute. I've always practiced gratitude. Um, I journal daily and, and I, and that's even increased in these last couple of years because that's kind of how I deal with all those thoughts that come into my head that could take me right back to the old treadmill. Candy shop. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The candy shop. Um, and so journaling and putting it on paper and getting it out of my head has always been, part of my um, gratitude practice, but I guess it's just so much more, um, I don't know if the right word is intense. It's just something that I do like every morning, every morning without fail. And of course there's an exception every, every now and again, but pretty much probably now I would say the equivalent of 300 days of the year the first thing I do after she goes to school or, or get everybody out of the house is I sit back in my bed and I get out my journal. And sometimes I write stream of consciousness, which has a lot of prayer and gratitude in it. I mean, I might write 50 pages. I, I will write and sometimes I'll look up and it's I started at eight and it's like 850. And I'm like, dang it, I need another hour. Like, I want I don't want to stop this. So I think it's just become such a part of um of my daily I mean in fact I I crave it the times that I travel or I don't get that time to uh for gratitude and prayer and focus and reflection um I'm not the same person I don't make as good of decisions during the day as when I'm able to do that so it's just become much more of a um you know a a practice just a, a habit and I give so much more time to it. And yeah, I know it's great to, if you have five minutes to start or at the right before you go to bed, write down five things. But to me now, it's just like this cathartic process that I give a lot of time to every single day. I wouldn't call that a habit. I would call that a ritual. And I would think that that's a, a great ritual because it, it it's putting you first and it's really helping focus your energy, not yes. only for the day, but for the week. And obviously it's doing... Uh, highly beneficial things because you miss it. So oh, yes, well, because I think that you get all all of those things that lead us to need to prove land right there on those pages, and then I close the book, and then I am able to go do the things that matter the most. Um, so that's why it's like it's like I pour out all of the the it's like a, it's like a uh, exorcism. It's like I pour out all of the toxins and. Stuff and I mix it up with all of this gratitude and celebration, and then I close the book, and then I go do what I'm supposed to do for that day. Um, and it it makes that it makes sticking to what's most important so much easier than when I kept all of those thoughts constantly running through my head at every move I made all day long, second guessing, thinking, proving, considering, deciding again and again and again all day like this it was almost I would think of it yeah like well since it, I called it an exorcism it's kind of like the that demon's still in my head and I wrestle with it all day long 
I love that. Life is that. So like I get it out and I just, and and there's a ton of gratitude in that. As you call, I love that word ritual. That's right. That's exactly what it is. Um, There's gratitude and prayer and meditation all mixed up in that. Um, And that's the thing I think people need to, if you want to leave them with something, here's what I would leave them with. Your self-care, your meditation, your practices don't have to look like what you think everybody else's do. Because to me, it's just like meditation to sit there and write for an hour. And I'm not upstairs at that moment in my yoga room with my knees crossed and my hands on my knees and saying a mantra. I mean, I do that sometimes, but it's so much more transformative to do this ritual for me. So I think that sometimes we... We try to do what we think everybody else is doing, and it's more about figuring out what nurtures and and serves you. And giving yourself permission to do it. Yeah, totally. Toby, mm-hmm. I just want to say thank you for saying yes to this and saying yes to me. I, I feel pretty damn honored that you said yes now that you've got this amazingly clear schedule and you have all this openness to do all these amazing things. So I have much gratitude uh, towards you and, and doing this and sharing all this amazing information with the audience. Um, I do have to say that my audience is, is pretty highly aware and they're pretty rad. They do a lot of, a lot of these kinds of practices already. Um, but if they wanted to learn more about working with you or taking advantage of your, you're doing a lot of really great consulting work now for clients. Mm -hmm. If they're interested in finding out more about you, how do they find you? So they find me at tobyfairly.com, and I'm not sure when your podcast will air, but any moment, which is in truth, like 10 days from now, uh, my new website is going to launch, and you're going to love it because it has every bit of this new philosophy of the way I live all melded in this really true, authentic way for me. Um, and it, it's, they're going to be able to find all the information they need right there because it's going to be front and center. This is what is important to me now. And I refuse to work under the old ways anymore. Like if this is what I believe in and I'm passionate about, it's got to be, you know, infil- it's got to infiltrate everything about my business. So tobyfairly.com, which is T-O-B-I-F-A-I-R-L-E-Y.com. And they'll just have like a little, speaking of creative candy shop, they can just go play on there all day long once it launches. So that'll be out just really, really soon. I love it. Well, thank you again for saying yes. Oh, you're, it was my pleasure. I loved it. I love an excuse to talk about these things. So invite me back. I'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> my deepest hope especially for the women listening to the show, is that you really heard the importance of why self-care matters. I'm not going to leave you with too much. I think we pretty much said what needs to be said, but I will leave you with this. A quote by Winston Churchill. When you're 20, you care about what everybody thinks. When you're 40, you stop caring what everybody thinks because you're too damn busy to know it. When you're 60, you realize No one was ever thinking about you in the first place. So true. That means focus on yourself first. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to this show today. My name is Amanda Gates, and I thank you for joining me on Home Energy Design. Be sure to subscribe. And if you want more information, and hey, I keep forgetting to mention this on the show, we have show notes on our website. You can find out more information there at gatesinteriordesign.com.
www.thevibeshow.com. Hey, trust the vibe, because the energy never lies.